Well, good morning, church family. How are you? Yeah, good morning, True Worth, Sanctuary, all of our online viewers. If I have not had the chance of meeting you, my name is Cheyenne Davis, and I serve on staff here as the Director of Parent Ministry. And every once in a while, I get up and I say words like I'm going to do today. All Advent long, we have had the theme, oh, what fun. And I'm going to be honest, when I get to this weekend after Christmas, it's more like, oh, what fun. (laughs) So as you've noticed, this service is a lot different. If you are new here, it is different than any other service that we have because it's about scaling back. It's about looking inward to see what do we have left in the tank to be able to put our Christmas decorations away. It's for us A-type personalities that are still trying to wrap our heads around the fact that nothing went as planned during the holidays, even though we had a really good plan. And it's for all of us to really confront what is it that God has next for us. Because here's the thing. He has a plan for us. And so many times we hear the new year defined as new year, new me. That's very broad, right? Or we get a fresh start, also very broad. I'm going to start that diet on January 1. I'm going to read the Bible more on January 1. I picked my kids up like 20 minutes late the last four weeks before leading into to break. And I would walk into the office every day and I would say, I'm going to have it together in 2020. Like, we all race to the end of the year just to get to a starting line. But how intentional are we being about what God has next for us? Do we have a plan and a strategy to tackle what God has next for us? And so today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at a couple of people that you should know well, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were the human parents of Jesus, if you will. And we're going to look at their character, because Mary and Joseph got a lot of things right. And as we look at their character, we're not going to give you answers today, but in your message notes, we're going to have four different questions that you get to take home. And all throughout the year, you get to think about how are you going to do and tackle what God has next because he does have something. And are you ready to be used for whatever he is calling you to do? If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. If you forgot your Bible, raise your hand. We would love to put a Bible into your hands. And before we open the word, and let's all hear what God has to say for us today, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Father God, we just commit this time to you. We thank you so much for giving us a specific word for each of us here. So I just pray that we hear your voice and that you would give us something new today. We love you and we thank you. Amen. So once you've got your Bibles, go ahead and head to, we're going to look at a verse that I think really highlights Mary's character. And there's a lot of great things about Mary and Joseph, but today we're just going to go through a few. And that first verse is going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And we'll unpack this verse all the way through our time together. And Luke chapter 1, verse 38 says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Even in that tiny verse, we see something very special about Mary and that she trusts deeply with what God has for her. 
The verse that we're going to look at for Joseph is going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and that's going to be verses 13 and 14. And those verses say when they had gone, and they're talking about the wise men that they, so when the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother, escape to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, that's kind of a strange verse by itself, but we're going to do the same thing to this verse, and we're going to unpack that all the way through as we really dial in and look at Joseph and Mary's character and figure out how can we use what we can learn from them to be intentional about what God has next for us. Because Mary and Joseph got a lot of things right. The first thing that I think they got really right was parenting. Raise your hands if you are a parent in this space or a grandparent. Yes, can you, can you say an amen if at some point parenting's been hard? Amen. amen, like parenting is so hard. I remember the toughest times for me were when my kids were toddlers and they couldn't talk to me. And they were always needing something, whether it's to eat, to be changed, and I just wanted them to talk to me. My kids are 13 and 9 now, and it's still, every phase is something new and something hard. As a team, we went to a leadership conference in the fall, and we got to listen to an FBI negotiator. And his first question to the group was, have you ever been in a high-stress negotiation? I know it's not the same, but my first thought was, I am a parent. (laughs) That is literally my every day. Have you ever moved a kid from a crib to a baby bed? Have you ever tried to eat them asparagus for the first time? Bedtime is a negotiation that no one ever wins. Every time I leave my house, it is like a hostage negotiation. Mom, do I need clothes on? Why is that a question? Absolutely. (laughs) Does that mean my shoes too? Uh Uh-huh. Just, we have to go. Every moment parenting feels like a negotiation, but it is a fight that I would not change for the world. And these days, our kids think they know everything, right? I have a 13-year-old, and I, you know, I've been telling parents this for years, but it's finally real in my home, and I don't like it. Um, But when they turn 13, they stop being able to hear the voices of their parents and their grandparents, like just slight noise. And they start listening to their peers, and they start thinking that they know more, and they do know a lot. What would you do if you were the parent of Jesus, who you knew, knew everything? How would you parent Jesus. Like, can we really wrap our heads around that? And how would you keep Jesus alive? This Herod that Joseph has taught, that we're talking about in Joseph's character verse, Herod was so power hungry that he murdered his own sons because they were a threat to his power. This same king was after Jesus the minute that he was born. Mary and Joseph trusted deeply that God would keep them safe. And here's a, here's a question that we can frame our whole time with, and that is, do I trust deeply and pivot quickly? Because that is something, and that's not in your numbers. You can put that anywhere on your message notes, but this is going to kind of frame our time. Do I trust deeply and pivot quickly? And if I want to have the year that God is calling me to have, how can I trust deeper and pivot quicker? Because sometimes God calls us into certain things, right? Sometimes this year may already have certain things. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're graduating, maybe you're having a baby, maybe you're getting a new job, a new promotion. There are some things on the horizon that are certain. 
But there's also some things on the horizon that are uncertain. Maybe some of us are going through the first year divorced. We're trying to figure out how to make that dance benefit everyone involved. Maybe some of us have just gone through the holidays for the first time without a parent, a spouse, a child, a sibling. And maybe that person that was missing around the table at Christmas was the cheerleader to spur us on into the new year. Maybe some of us got a diagnosis that has completely rocked us dreaming about what is next. And I think we can learn something so important from Mary and Joseph, that even when life handed them chaos, they were able to trust deeply and pivot quickly. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt who they could trust. Let's look at Joseph's character verse really fast. And in his character verse, just notice, notice the verb words, the action words. The angel had gone, get up, take the child, stay there. So he got up, took the child, and left. And as we read on, we see that Joseph had a dream. And in the middle of the night, he got up with minimal information and left because he trusted so deeply that God had their best interest at heart, that he got up in the middle of the night and he left. How many times do you and I move quickly when we feel God calling us to do something different than what we had planned? How quick do we pivot when we feel God calling us into something or nudging us or pushing us or moving us? Do you and I move as fast as Joseph did? In your message notes, number one, the question that we can wrestle with this year is, do I have trust issues? And you know, some of us may know that we have trust issues and then others might be on the fence. So let's just take a deeper look at Joseph. Before Joseph and Mary ever got married, Mary came and said, I'm gonna have a baby and it's not yours. Would you have stayed? How hard would it be? And now Joseph doesn't live the picture-perfect life. And in fact, in, let's see, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we do see Joseph's struggle with trust. And you don't have to go there. I'll read it. But in verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public grace, disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Mary had come, she had told him, I'm going to have a baby, it is not yours. And he was thinking, I have an exit plan before this marriage ever started. But then as we read on, we see that an angel comes to Joseph, and the angel says that Mary is telling the truth. Take her as your wife and raise Jesus. We see something very important shift in Joseph right there. Joseph stops looking at Jesus as a baby that's not his. And he started looking at Jesus as the gift that he truly was to their family and to the world. What changes in our family dynamics if we do the same in our relationships, in our parenting, how we live our life? What changes if we look at it in that light? Joseph and Mary were like our first famous blended family, right? Not his baby, not her baby, but they took their responsibility very seriously. And at the end of the day, 
Joseph wasn't trusting that Mary was telling the truth. Jesus was a baby. Joseph wasn't even trusting in that moment what Jesus had in store for him. But Joseph was trusting God in the fact that if he was calling him to a marriage, to a woman that was having a baby that was not his, he would do it. Joseph trusted that if he was being given a child that was not biologically his, he would raise him. What changes if we do the same? We are living in a world where there are grandparents raising children these days. There's so much influx in the family. What happens if we look at every single child that comes into our view the way that Mary and Joseph did and just trust that God has all the chaotic details worked out even if it is complicated? What happens when we trust? Do I have trust issues? Another thing that Mary and Joseph got really right is they were clear on who they served. Let's look at Mary's character verse. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It's real simple. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So let's, let's hop in Mary's shoes for a second. Let's pretend we're all a teenage girl. Let's just go there. It'll be fine. And you're a teenage girl, and you see an angel, something you've never seen before in your life, and that angel comes to you and says, you're going to have a baby, you're going to conceive it by the Holy Spirit, it is God's son, have at it. What would you have done? How would you have responded? Let's flip that. Pretend you're Mary's mom, or you're Mary's dad, granddad, grandmother, and Mary comes to you and says, hey fam, I've got this news. I'm having a baby, and it's not Joseph's. It's God's son, an angel told me. How would you respond if you were Mary's parents? How would you respond? Would you trust that they had it all worked out? And listen, like I know as a parent, I get it wrong all the time. But do we think about how we're responding? Remember, Canaan came home first or second grade, and he had brought home a pencil that wasn't his. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's stolen a pencil. He's going to grow up and be a criminal. Matt was like, Cheyenne, it's a pencil. It's going to be okay. But how quick are we to commit our kids to a life of crime and wrongdoings when they do something small? How would you have responded if Mary came home to you that day and said, I got some news. How would you have responded? When Mary's introduced to us, there's a whole lot of chaos and suspicion and doubt wrapped up just in her introduction. But her character verse, Luke 1, 38, this is how Mary responds to all of it. She says, I'm your servant. May your word be fulfilled. What changes in our year if instead of when we are faced with whatever comes our way, what happens if instead we say, use me, instead of, why me? Mary got that so right. Mary and Joseph both were handed a minefield for a future, but instead of sitting there and dwelling in it and saying, why me, God? They said, just use me. I don't know about you, but I want a year like that. I want a year that when something uncertain and unplanned and, dare I say, chaotic comes my way, that I just look upward and not retreat inward and I say, just use me. 
because I know without a doubt who I serve. Mary and Joseph were so clear on who they served. So again, message notes number two, who and what do I serve? Who and what do I serve? Who and what will you serve this year? And I know that it is so easy for us to come to church and it's really clear who and what we're trying to serve here, right? I know that when we go and serve down the hall, upstairs, guest services, all of the areas that we serve here at Pathway, it's really easy to tell who and what we serve. But what happens when we leave here? What happens when we go home to possibly a tense relationship? Who and what do you serve in that? When you go to work for that boss that is anything but loving and kind, who do you serve when you interact with them? When your finances and your health is a mess, who and what do you serve in those situations? Joseph and Mary were clear on who and what they served. And I'll tell you that relationships for me is the hardest place when I leave here to really claim who I serve because relationships can get messy, right? Does anybody have difficult relationships in their life? Things get really blurry. And I will tell you that in my marriage is one of the hardest places for me to really think about who it is that I serve. Not because my husband is a difficult person. My husband is awesome, he is amazing, but can I just be real with you? Most of the times when we have problems in our marriage, it's not our spouse, it's us. And so the times that I struggle the most in my marriage is when I just wanna be right for the sake of being right. The times I struggle in my marriage is when I want to spend our grocery budget on clothes, our makeup. The times we struggle the most is when I really just want to dwell on his mistakes and expect him to ignore mine. And in those moments, I'm serving me. We all get wrapped up in this I deserve it mentality. And really, we should just be thankful that we haven't gotten what we deserve in reference to how we treat others and love others and show grace and kindness to others? What happens if we, if we replicate Mary and Joseph's behavior in our relationships and just say, instead of I deserve it, say, I'm here to serve? What changes if we do that? We all do it. It's, I want this vacation that I can't afford because I deserve it. I need a break because I deserve it. And I'm so guilty of this. I say, I get takeout food because I've lost a pound. I deserve it, right? But in those moments, the only person that we're looking to serve is ourselves. Who and what do you serve? Are you clear like Mary and Joseph? Looking at this marriage thing again, like Joseph stayed in that marriage. Joseph entered that marriage not because of Mary, not because of Joseph, but because he was clear on who he served. And the next question that I think can really throw those first two off that we get to wrestle with is, who is God to me? I'm looking out and I see a lot of faces that I know that you were raised in a home that God was love and God was grace and God was patience and God was kindness and you were raised in that way. But I was raised in a home that God... God was not necessarily that way. 
So when we're thinking about who is God to me, who is he? Is he punisher? Is he selfish? Is, does he abandon? Is he jealous? Like, who is God to you? And if you were raised anything like me in a home where the idea of God was a little incorrect or a lot incorrect, there's sometimes that we have to separate what we've learned from God and create a space where we can think about who is God to me? Mary and Joseph got this right. They were very clear on who God was to them. And because they were clear about who God was to them, they were able to trust deeply and pivot quickly. Some of us just have a trust issue with God, and it's because what we have learned about God is different than who God truly is. Who is he to you? One of my examples, I've, I've given you this example before, but in my, in my early 20s, I committed a really visible sin. I lived in a really small town, and so everyone knew about the sin, even the pastor. And my dad had just got diagnosed with cancer, and uh, as we always did in tradition, the pastor said, anyone who needs prayer, please come forward, and I would love to pray for you. And I was there with my dad that day, and I went forward, and I said, I would love for you to pray for my dad. His cancer is getting worse. And the pastor looked at me and said, Cheyenne, did you ever think that maybe if you hadn't have committed that sin, maybe your dad wouldn't be suffering with cancer right now? I went to the car. He didn't even pray for my dad. My dad was right there with me. And I sat in the car, and I waited. And I didn't step foot in another church until my husband drug me through these doors right here. And in that moment, while I was there asking that small-town pastor to pray for my dad, I learned some things about God. In that moment that I was with him, I learned that God wanted nothing to do with me if I didn't have it all together. And I also learned on the flip side that God was only interested in people that were pretending to be perfect. I learned that God didn't want to have anything to do with me if I did something wrong. I learned that God would turn my back on me if I was in a place where I didn't know what to do next. I learned that God was not there for me when I was scared and I was about to lose the pillar of my identity. But here's the thing. We all have such a responsibility to wrestle deeply with who God is to us because I was wrong. I was wrong for over a decade about who God was. And that's on me. See, I was letting someone else's understanding of who God was to them dictate who God was to me. And I was wrong for that. There's no one to blame but myself. And I have a long ways to go. But since walking through these doors, I have been encouraged to think deeply about who is God to you, Cheyenne? So who is God to you? Do you know him to be provider and promise keeper? Do you know that he can make you brave in any situation? Do you know that you can find rest and comfort in him? One of my, we've got a few favorite promises that God really gives to us, and it is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all who are weary, and I will give you rest. When we start wrestling with who God is to us, he is comfort, he is rest. This world will wear you out. Don't you want some moments in your life where you can find rest in the middle of the chaos? Who is God to you? And the last question that we really get to wrestle with is who is Jesus to me? And this is where our, um, where our A-type personality friends, and I can say that because I'm very A-type personality, this is where we get stuck the most. It's because we try to put the idea of God 
and Jesus into a finite box of answers. Who is Jesus to me? Do you believe that he is Savior? To Mary and Joseph, he was beloved. He was king. He came to save every one of us, to do a good work in the world that God has called each of us to do. Mary and Joseph, before Jesus could even say a word, they were clear on who he was and what responsibility that they had to raise him. And I can only imagine the stress that came with raising Jesus. Who is he to you? And I love this linear idea that Jesus came as a baby and he grew. So that means every year Mary and Joseph encountered something new with Jesus. Do you believe that this year Jesus can lead you through whatever is coming and to a place of victory even if you're in the middle of chaos? Do you believe that about Jesus? I am. I was lucky to be adopted by American parents before I was ever born. So I was a Texan before, I was a Texan for 15 years before I ever knew I was Filipino. Um, And I have a really, really healthy adoption story. A couple of years ago, we got to meet my biological mom and three of my biological siblings. And we were a surprise to the biological mom for her 60th birthday. And I do probably more than I should on social media, but I was photo journaling everything. And so a lot of friends that I didn't know were adopted reached out and they wanted to connect about me being adopted. And even my makeup lady at Sephora, they all had the same question. And the question was, you're gonna go be her surprise for her 60th birthday. What if she doesn't want you there? And every single time, This is the only place I'm confident in my life. But every time I was able to look at them and say, I'm going to be okay, and I'm not scared. Because no matter who is in my circle or who is outside of my circle, I have a clear understanding of who I belong to. And nothing can change that. Mary and Joseph were clear who they belonged to. They understood who God was to them. They understood who Jesus was to them. And because they had an understanding and they were clear on that it was always growing and who God was and Jesus was to them, they were able to trust deeply and pivot quickly. I want a year where I know that no matter what comes my way, I will be able to confront it, not because of what I'm bringing to the table, but what God has already done. Some of you have already been hearing a call on your life. Some of you have already been feeling a nudge from God. And you know what? Some of you may not. But I promise, even if you haven't, he's still working out something. He's still working out a way to be able to be used, for you to be used by him. So many of us think that God called the wrong number when he called us. So so many of us think that it's not us that's going to be used. But what if you truly understood that if you were waiting to feel equipped to do what God is calling you to do this year, you're going to wait forever. Can you just trust like Mary and Joseph that he's going to equip you along the way even if you can't see what's coming, even if you can't articulate a plan? God has something huge planned for you, are you going to replicate some of Mary and Joseph's character and just trust deeply and pivot quickly? 
Do I trust deeply? And do I pivot quickly? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next minute in prayer, and I want to just pray for your year. And then after that, we are going to listen to Lauren and Andrew sing this song. And as we do that, we just invite you to be in reflection right where you sit. You can be in prayer, whatever you're called to do in this moment. But as you're in that moment when we listen to the song, just dream big about what's to come. Get real about some of the fears that you may have about the uncertain. Get your mind right for what is coming next. Let me pray for you. Good morning, God. We are just so thankful for this remarkable life that you've called us to. God, we know that in this room, there are, there are some huge celebrations that are on the horizon for us. God, we just thank you for those. We thank you for new chapters, new beginnings, fresh starts. And we also know that through Jesus, you have allowed us to have a fresh start, a new beginning, wherever we are in our life, no matter the time. We don't have to wait for the new year to start something new because you've equipped us to do just that. God, and in this room, there are relationship struggles. There's tension in marriages. There's tension in parenting where our kids have gone off. They've exercised their free will and we don't know what to do. God, some of us are in a mess in our finances. Some of us have gotten a diagnosis that has absolutely no plan moving forward. We just know that it's not good news. And God, even in those, we just thank you for showing up. Through the story of Jesus, we just trust that you have gone before us and you were with us. And no matter the chaotic details, you'll work it all out for your good and for your glory. So God, I just pray that you mobilize everyone in this room to not be timid about where you are calling them. God, I pray bravery and courage into every single person because you will call them to minister this year. You will call them to change the world, to be a better place around them. You will call them to do something that they didn't have planned, God. And I just pray bravery and courage into each and every one of them because you will equip them along the way, just like you did Mary and Joseph. God, mobilize your people to go out and be change makers and difference makers. Thank you for equipping us. Thank you for giving us what we need. Amen.
When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. Grace abounds in deepest water, sovereign have what it takes to tackle whatever is next. God's calling you, so be ready. He loves you, and you're not alone. We'll see you in the crossing. <laughs>